Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each week, we bring you a woman who uses her talents to help other women succeed at work and in their lives. You know, I've enjoyed hearing these stories for more than 10 years, and I chose 19 of them to contribute to my earlier book, Leading Women, which is still available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and in your local bookstore. Now I'm excited to announce my new book, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life. It came out January 8, 2019. I'm so excited about this book that I chose some of the amazing women who inspired it to talk about it and about their own work on behalf of women. This week, I'm pleased to introduce Jamia Wilson. Jamia is the youngest executive director of the Feminist Press at the City University of New York and its first woman of color. This inspiring and prolific young author, speaker, and activist served as a former VP of programs at the Women's Media Center and has been a leading voice on women's rights and issues for over a decade. Her work has appeared in numerous outlets, including New York Times, The Today Show, L, BBC, Rookie, and The Washington Post, and many, many more. She's also the author of two children's books, Young, Gifted, and Black, and Step Into Your Power, 23 Lessons on How to Live Your Best Life. She also contributed to the introduction and the oral history of the story of women of the Women's March, Together We Rise, behind the scenes, at the protests heard around the world, and many, many other outstanding essays. So I'm pleased to welcome Jamia Wilson to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women and find out more about her insight and how to amplify and keep the women's voices loud and strong. Welcome. Well, Jamia, thank you for being with me. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You know, this, as I said before I started the recording, this is about you. And you've done some amazing things in the world. And we're going to talk about millennials. We're going to talk about what you're doing, the Feminist Press, and also the Women Together program. But let's start out with something very, very important. And I think this is true no matter what, what women's ages are, is that their story of how they got to be who they are the day I'm speaking to them is so very, very valuable. Because I think a lot of times women will look at a, a successful woman and think she's, you know, she's got it made. It was so easy for her. But we usually find that we've all had some uh, some knocks along the way and some peaks and valleys. So, how about you? How did you get to be who you are? I'm talking to you today. Oh, thank you. So I'm just really excited to be on your podcast with another brilliant woman, and I definitely have uh, had to hike quite a few high valleys and mountains yeah. um, in my life already. And I feel that uh, I'm definitely somebody who appreciates hearing about other people who haven't had sort of a straight line path. Mine has been more of a scribble um, throughout my life as well of, you know, a series of ups and downs and many opportunities um, and lessons that came through adversity. And so I also enjoy hearing other women kind of talk about how they've overcome challenges because I've definitely started really compiling all the great lessons I've had coming through my own sort of pain and realizing that I have a fortitude and I have a persistence. And sometimes it's just about continuing to show up if you have breath (laughs) and if you have life to continue to come back again and again, no matter what comes in your way. And for me, I think, you know, I, my origin story is that I was originally born in South Carolina and to two very loving parents who were 
professors in a small college town at a historically black college that my mother had actually attended and so had my um, maternal grandfather and education was something I had been taught um, was very important, especially given our family history and the kinds of sacrifices and fights that people had to make in order to obtain it. And I was always taught that being smart was the most important thing, (laughs) Um, being curious and being focused on that. And so I was really kind of discouraged to focus on the superficial stuff and more encouraged to focus on studies, volunteerism, giving back, and being a part of our faith community, which was also a big part of my upbringing. And then I moved to Saudi Arabia when I was about uh, five and a half years old, where my parents had thought they would just kind of go on a short sabbatical to do some work at a university there, teaching their field, speech language pathology and speech science. But it turned into over a decade of investment in the region, um, in their work, in the university system, as well as starting up the first of its kind um, U.S. accredited clinic in um, treating communication disorders and supporting people so that all people could have access to communication as a human right. And my parents worked together on that project, and my late mother was very passionate about development, project development, and so they really worked hard on getting the students that had been a part of their program through their program, as well as two schools that they had relationships in the United States to then have them come back to work at the clinic they were in. And so I grew up just in a community of people who gave a lot um, and people who, you know, were really devoted to service. And then at the time in Saudi Arabia, they discouraged Western youth to kind of stay there beyond the ninth grade. And so I was sent back to the U.S. to study here in an all-girls school that was started by blue stocking feminists in the 1800s. And I wow. feel like that education has very much impacted my studies and the fact that I wanted to be in sort of female-driven and centered environments because I always found that contrary to what I was hearing in the media, that my best, most healthy and fruitful relationships of collaboration were with other women and people who um, were allies to women's leadership. And um, being in that environment and just seeing the difference between what it was like to be in school with other girls and young women versus the dynamics that would play out when um, boys were being favored in classes really just changed my life. And that's what led me to go on to be doing work at the intersection of feminism and human rights and um, activism and storytelling. And just throughout that process, I had always thought I would be a broadcast journalist. That's what I thought was going to be my career path, to either be a broadcast journalist and a correspondent on CNN was one of my goals, or to um, become a civil rights lawyer. And although I did not become either of those things, I think aspects of what I was imagining I would be doing in my life with those things are showing up now in my career, because ultimately, I always knew I would be a writer. I just didn't know that it was something that would be a part of my professional identity. I thought it would be a hobby and that those other things would be like the way that I would make a living. And in fact, I was able to do the thing that I thought would be the hobby. <laughs> and wow, those wow. elements of what attracted me from like an advocacy job, as well as 
what attracted me from broadcast journalism um, are a part of my job now because I do get to do media opportunities and I do sure, get yeah. to speak out. But the best part about it is I can actually speak on my opinion, um, <laughs> which I think was like what I was worried about. You don't, you don't have to curb your, you don't have to curb yourself. <laughs> exactly, you know, and so that's the irony is I feel like the universe kind of set me on the right trajectory, knowing that I was going to have to be someone who owned my bias, so to speak, and my work. And so, so yeah, that's kind of, you know, how I got to where I am. And I just, I was always someone who was kind of a yes person and not in terms of yes, in terms of uh, giving in to other people's limbs, because I'm definitely a no person in that sense, or anyone yeah. who knows me, but yeah. a yes person in terms of seeing an opportunity and going for it. Uh, I think that uh, one of my mentors, who's an older man who's on a board that I'm on, who has really shown me a lot through his leadership as a board chair, recently said to me that he said, you know, you've always been someone who's had a really clear sense of her purpose and her ambition. And he was just like, that's something I've always seen in you. And it was funny because I said, yeah, you know, I think I spent a lot of time apologizing for that. And I think in my 30s, I'm actually just owning that, yes, I am that person. (laughs) I see something and I go after it. Um, (laughs) And I think that like now that I'm really kind of owning that power that I was kind of afraid of uh, holding as a woman and a younger woman, I'm really kind of a little bit scared but excited because I think that's growth. Well, reading reading about you and seeing everything that you've been involved with, you're very wise and very, as you said, focused in in what you choose and how you speak out and who you speak with. (laughs) I mean, your platform is tremendous as far as who you've who you've connected with, you know, and I and I really like, and I'm I'm going to go right into the book in this together because it it's you talk about the older generations, and you know, there's this always this question that comes up: How do older women versus younger women? How do they view what's going on in the feminist movement? You know, who's supporting who? Who's not supporting who? But you know, you talk about the older generation and millennials. And you say it's important to really listen to the generations that that have come before. And I've always looked to older women to guide me. And you know, they say get a mentor, be a mentor. And I and I think that's so important. And you know, I really get tired of hearing about saying is millennials don't get it. They don't, you know, they're doing their own thing and, you know, they just don't see. I mean, well, let's just talk about that for a minute because I think you have a very strong opinion and I really like what you have to say. You know, the book is called In This Together for a Reason. <laughs> just like working together is so key for all of us to get where we want to go. So can you just speak to that just a little bit? Thank you so much, and I'm so excited about your book because I think that that is so true. We are in this together, and whenever I see sort of a division between people who are so naturally aligned to be in connection Mm -hmm. with each other through experience, through shared struggle, through shared identity, I always kind of wonder, who does it benefit for us to be divided, (laughs) And, Uh and why is that is a question I ask myself when I find myself kind of being dragged into that sort of mindset, and then it helps retool me to say, no, that maybe there's something I need to do to open myself up to to work a little bit harder because I see why we have shared interests and why it's important to make those investments, even if it's not comfortable. And I think when it comes to intergenerational issues, a lot of it comes from the fact that we already have a society where women have been devalued for so long and other marginalized identities, people of color, and often the culture of scarcity can be built up in our communities because 
people have had to fight so hard for the few resources that they have been given because of an imbalance of power and an imbalance of um, access. And so instead of kind of fighting to change the systems that hurt all of us, sometimes we might say, oh, it appears that this other subgroup of our group is getting more, and so we should kind of take it from them or critique them for having it yeah. versus maybe working together to make sure that we all have what we need and what we deserve. And I, and I think that happens a lot in intergenerational movements. I remember someone once said to me something where we were saying, oh, we don't understand why this older women's group is really reluctant to work with us and why they have such a negative attitude about working with younger women. And one of the women said to me, imagine if you had fought for all of these different policies and then you saw the men who kind of fought alongside you in the movement get these appointments at Ivy League universities and get these really nice titles and pensions and all of these things. But then you saw all of the women having to work way late into their lives when they really need to be getting support, when they really need to be getting the same sort of recognition for their work, but instead were having to toil for the basic things that they deserved for the sacrifices that they made. How would that make you feel? <laughs> um, and how would that make yeah. you feel if you felt that that work was being forgotten or taken for granted? Yeah. And I've thought a great deal about that. Like, what would it be like if I were to devote a lot of my time to helping to support older women who paved the way and getting the support and recognition they need? Because that builds trust, but also helps us all grow. Um, and then I guess the last thing I would say about that is that Gloria Steinem actually said something interesting recently that I really sort of chewed on for a long time, yeah. which is that at the Eileen Fisher Women Together event we did recently, she said that a woman asked her about what should you do when you feel that like younger women aren't saying thank you for things that they take for granted. And she said, well, I got mad on my own behalf when I was younger. The policies that I was facing, you know, not being able to get a credit card without a spouse, a husband, yeah, you know, yeah, all those kinds yeah. of things. Those are things that radicalized me. And for my foremothers, it was the vote. And that there were people who were suffragists who were kind of upset at Gloria and her generation for yeah. not being more focused on that. And she said, so instead of kind of focusing on needing more gratitude from these younger women, maybe right, we should right. think about the fact that society treats women with such ingratitude yeah, <laughs> and how yeah, do we yeah. address that. But to be grateful for the fact that these young women, because of the sacrifices you made, actually see the world as if this is what women should expect. This is how it should be because of what you created. And, and I thought about that, and I think at the age I'm at now, when I see some of the younger women that I'm around sometimes, maybe not knowing things I, I think they should know or responding to things in ways that I think they should respond to, I often think about, oh, wait, maybe there's something I can celebrate about the fact yeah. that they never even had to experience the kind of dehumanization well, I did. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that most women, men, uh, women for sure, we know our papas. Many of us know our papas, you know, but we, we don't know our mamas. This is how in history, you know, whether you're a woman of color or whatever color you are, the, the history of women has been diminished. In, in fact, you're right. The fact that there is so much information that we don't know, you know, the Equal Rights Amendment, for example, you know, people don't even talk about it. It's never even mentioned. But the things that women have accomplished uh, historically and the shoulders that we're standing on, women of color, women of all, all women, is, is oftentimes just uh, diminished. I mean, it's just erased from history. And so I think you're right. We need to go back and, and 
see where we where we're all coming from. But again, we do that with the people with that awareness. What you're doing. <clears throat> Excuse me, my, I've got a little tickle in my throat. <clears> throat> and the, let's talk about the feminist press because I think that's the key. You know, we have to bring awareness. We have to bring understanding. You know, feminist is now a, a good word, whereas a long time it was a, a negative word. You know, people went, "Oh, feminist! You're a feminist! You know, oh, you're you're burning your bra! You're now you're you're an <laughs> activist! I mean, you're an antagonist!" So let's talk about the feminist press because I think that's amazing what you're doing with that. Oh, thank you so much. And I feel like it's just so, you know, apropos the conversation we're having about generations because Feminist Press started before I was born. So, you know, I joined the Feminist Press almost two years ago as the first woman of color and the youngest person to ever run an organization, which at that time was 47 years old. And as we near our 50th anniversary, which is going to be next year, I am really lucky and blessed to be able to work with our founding director, Florence Howe, who just turned 90 in, in March during Women's History Month. And I was just at her house on Friday, and we were kind of talking, me, herself, my team, and many people younger than myself on the staff, right? And then some of the people who've been on the board with her from the very beginning who were 89 years old. Wow. Um, (laughs) That's got to be amazing. Kind of, you know, thinking, wow, how many times do you find people in these rooms together who aren't blood relatives having these kinds of conversations. And we were planning the 50th anniversary celebrations. We'll be celebrating all year and we've already started celebrating, you know, what is it, what does it mean? How do we look toward the future with acknowledgement to our past and present and how what happened in the past and the present led to where we're going now. And we had a great talk about that. And Florence was talking about how she said that, you know, there's so many things we do now, so many books that she sees on our list that she wouldn't have imagined would be books that we would have ever done. But that the fact that these are the books that younger feminists are seeking now and that our sales are showing that they're resonating is really impactful to her. Just like she knew what the books were that needed to be emergent in her generation when she started the press 50 years yeah. ago. And so that's imp- really important to me. And I feel like it's a gift that I'm, I'm able to do that work every day. So what would she say to us right now? You know, as far as what's going on in the world, this 90-year-old woman who's who's seen so many different generations of women and what where we're at. Where does she think we're at right now, as far as women's evolution, women's leadership, and finding our voice and really moving forward? Because I'm I'm thinking. Well, first of all, we're way behind many countries. We're way behind. But where would she put us as far as right now today? What she said, which she has said many times, which I think about a lot, is that she really believed when she started the press in 1970, and it was an idea, and then she came back from vacation and saw there were all these checks from women around the country who wanted to support her um, into doing this work for hearing her idea. She thought that maybe in 10 years, max, we would be obsolete because the rest of the publishers would just get it. They would understand that there was an important need for books that reflected the reality of our global population and its diversity, as well as see that women are an important part of the market, right? Not even just people who are mission-driven, but like ourselves. And for her, the fact that we are still needed more than ever, you know, with the same sort of intensity that we were needed in 1970, which was also sort of a cultural zeitgeist moment, um, I think (laughs) it's something that – 
is really profound to me that she really believed that, hey, in 50 years, we're just as relevant as, yeah. as we were then because, and so when we talked, we actually had a conversation about why that is. And I said that I believed that the reason why we're still here is that the root causes of all these social issues of the dehumanization of people, of human suffering, mm-hmm. of all of the isms, those root causes have not been addressed. The solutions to those problems have not been addressed and we will continue to see this occur again and again until we move from a structure of domination and power over people versus collaboration and transformation together, which is something you see much more often in women's leadership (laughs) than you see in the patriarchal leadership that we've been led with um, for centuries. I I just got back from New York on Sunday and – Take the Lead, which is, again, a partner. We're partner. Women Connect for Good is partnering with, and I'm also the chair I of the board. I love Gloria. <laughs> Gloria, isn't she fantastic? Gloria and Gloria. The Glorias are fantastic. But, yes. you know, what was what was amazing about this particular cohort, the, the Women in Journalism Changed the World, 50 Women in, uh, Changed the World in Journalism, was some of the things that they were saying. These were things that I was so touched and so glad to hear that this here's these women were all nominated by their peers to be one of the 50 women which is also a very significant about the women who even went through the training kim goddard was there for the graduation who's the new executive president of cbs but what we were hearing what we were seeing were women who had come together who were saying i feel safe i feel safe with these women I feel this is life-changing. I feel that I, I'm getting, I've got my passion back. I've got my direction. I can now collaborate. But, I mean, we're still there when it comes to women really finding their, the right women, the sisterhood, the right group of women that they can feel comfortable, that they can grow in and accomplish their goals and also seek out and connect. You know, asking for help is not an easy thing for women, as you probably have found out, you know. But but the more we ask, the more we can turn around and help. But I think what, what was touching about this group was the fact that they really understood that the only way any of us are going to see succeed is for us all being it together, to be working together. But it's so much more fun. It's so much more fun. I agree, and I, I learned so much from other women, you know, and I think – that Gloria, I'm so, when you mentioned Take the Lead, I just got so excited. I wish you could see me at my desk because <laughs> Gloria Felt is one of my mentors. I feel like part of, you know, when you're asking how I was able to do what I, what I do, I think that I've just been so lucky to have amazing women in my life. And I think, yeah. you know, right now at my desk, I'm staring at um, beautiful pictures of both my late grandmother, maternal grandmother, yeah. and my late mother who were both just powerhouses and trailblazers in their yeah. field. And they really taught me to kind of always look to elder women for advice about how to tap into my own strengths. And um, when I worked at Planned Parenthood in my um, early days right out of college, my first boss there was Gloria Felt. And Gloria, when I moved to New York many years later after I transitioned from Planned Parenthood after I came here to New York with very little money and in grad school, (laughs) and she stayed a mentor in my life and a friend. And even then she was telling me she thought I should maybe consider running for office. She's always kind of like (laughs) – 
seen a vision for me that is bigger than myself. And I'm, and I'm ashamed that when she first mentioned it to me, I, I said all these excuses about why I couldn't run for office and why I would be ashamed to do so. And now I'm ashamed to admit that, that I said that, but I've since told her, I said, oh, wow. That was then, this is now. That was then. No, this is, and, that, and the things I needed to see, right? Like I needed to grow up. I needed to see some things. I needed to develop my confidence. And then also – See, the reasons I gave her, the excuses that I gave her for why yeah. I couldn't take that power, I've seen other women who had those same concerns go for it. And Stacey Abrams is one of them. I think the excuse I gave Gloria was that I had student loan debt and I didn't think that that yeah. made me a legitimate candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I just I think this, just having these powerful women in my life and pe- people like Gloria who, you know, she'd always say to me, I have no excuses. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, well, that's her that's book, No Excuses. <laughs> you know, find your, you've always, you've got the power, keep the power, the power too, not the power over. Yeah, that's Gloria. I mean, exactly. like I said, I, I just said, five days with Gloria, so I've been glorified, you know, I, anyway, I, love I it. should say glorified, uh, but anyway, no, she's, she's definitely someone, and, you know, and that's what was happening also with this cohort, the journalism cohort, was that they were saying, go for it, Why? Did, what are you waiting for, what are you waiting for, but sometimes somebody sees in us, and it's true for me along the way, somebody else sees in me things that I don't see in myself. So, you know, take the lead, the curriculum, the work starts, the inner work starts first, and then the outer work, they, but they have to work together. Women have to see themselves as leaders, they have to see their potential, understand, see the power that they do have before they can do the outer work. You know, I mean, I think this is the great thing about the curriculum for Take the Lead is that it really works on on those biases that we have towards ourselves, towards that we have other women, and what's blocking us from truly, truly taking our power and using it to our best best way we can to change the world for good. And you know what? You get it. You definitely get it. <laughs> but you've had wonderful mentors. You're Gloria, you. Gloria Steinem, Jane Fonda. I mean, but you've been you've been blessed. But you you've also you used to, you said something very very important. You said I said yes to the things that I that came into my life. And so many women, like you said, are waiting. Uh, well, when I get the education, when I get the experience, you know, when this happens, I'll I'll think about that. But look at you. Look what you've been doing. Look what you're doing today. I mean, could you could you imagine this 5 years ago or 10 years ago Me that too. Oh, no. I mean, I couldn't imagine it, you know, 10 minutes ago. I think <laughs> sometimes I think about, Ten you know, minutes ago. Um, the places where I am and opportunities I've had, and I think, you know, I was thinking, I had a moment where, you know, I, I went through a really big loss last year. My mom passed away on Christmas, and it was oh, no. really profound because oh, she wow. was my soulmate. And also, you know, I always said, she'd always say to Mia, you know, I should charge you for all of the free career coaching that you get. Because my mom was a very formidable businesswoman and yeah. visionary in that way. And, you know, I, I had a moment when I, I uh, was sitting on a stage last year with an audience of people reading a passage about my mom while she was in the hospital to all of these people and thinking, wow, you know, I I get to – did the little girl I wrote about who looked up to her mom so much in this book ever imagine that she would get to um, tell the world about her in a best-selling book but then also – be able to then go and show that to my mom, you know, at this point of transition in my mom's life and for her to know that I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for you. If I hadn't had a role model like you, I would have never been able to see my own power. And, and so I think I just, I feel really 
lucky, but I have just had women in, in my life who really taught me to believe in myself and to really, really invest in that practice of loving myself and, and loving other women because the people who I see struggling the most are often people who just refuse to kind of understand that they're enough, that they don't have anything to yeah. prove to anyone. Yeah. It's really about your purpose and getting about it, right? And not, right. not the lesson that I feel like I was given by so many of these amazing women. And even my mother would often say, with people like Gloria in my life and Gloria's, both of them, and, and also some women, but she would always say, oh, my gosh, tell them that they're my girls. She would always say yeah, that because yeah. they're, they're raising you too, you know? Yeah. Well, and now, now they're your sisters. You're, they're exactly. your mothers, but now they're your sisters, and you're bringing in a whole new community of women. And I think that's the other thing. When we hear women talking about their community, the community that's building, we know it's working. We know it's working when we hear those those words, you know, the community, the sisterhood. I can guarantee you, Jamia, your mother is looking down and going, she is so proud of you. Uh, I was I was also blessed to have two very very amazing grandparent grandmothers, and my mother was a top realtor salesperson, you know. So I mean, I had great role models to also encourage me, but not everyone has that opportunity or has those resources. So I think that's where it comes from for me is that I've had it. I want to pass it on, and that's what you're doing. So I mean, all the women that you've met and all the women that you will meet, it's really about supporting them. And it, and that's really what's what it's about. When we when we support one other woman and then we lift as we go, anything is possible. Anything. You're so right. I mean, and I I want to thank you for sharing about your beautiful mom and for what you said about my mom because I was also thinking about sometimes you know I have friends sometimes who had said to me when I lost my mom they said oh well you know we were always kind of jealous because you had a mom and you could look up to you and I said yeah. it doesn't necessarily always mean the way that you know those sorts of ways in which our society tells us that one achieves success that women who are continuing to endure with resilience and power and yeah. whatever we do that is also a way in which we learn and get mentored and I was thinking about my grandmother who's 96 my one grandmother that's still here wow. and um, my cousins took a picture of her shooting baskets recently <laughs> and she made a really good swoosh and a really beautiful delivery of this basketball thing and I posted it on Instagram and it went viral Oh, um, bad. <laughs> and it was really amazing and this one site called Because of Them We Are showed her and all these people were debating that my grandmother couldn't possibly be 96 years old yeah. online they thought it was some sort of conspiracy and I thought, no, this is just the kind of women that I come from and that I'm proud to be made of. <laughs> sturdy, sturdy, yes, very sturdy. <laughs> exactly. And then she oh. was out there shooting hoops with these, like, 24-year-old boys. And, oh, that's fantastic. Know, it's amazing. Well, I, I know, I bet you will be, and I hope I am too. I ride, I ride and show Arabian horses, so I'm, my, my goal is to be out there riding at, at 90, 90 something years old. They'll have to maybe prop me on the horse, but I'm still going to be riding. I mean, you I think that's be. it. And I plan best, on it. Best horses. <laughs> They're gorgeous. Well, I love them. Yeah, Gloria. Before I left, we went to Central Park and took a five-mile 
uh, hike around Central Park, and uh, you know she power walks. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's you're it's brave. Really... I haven't done it yet. I've been invited and haven't done it yet, so I love <laughs> well, you, it. <laughs> you better go. You better go. But I mean, I, because if she gets a take, or she's you can just see her grinning from ear to ear. So <laughs> she did. We did stop along the uh, the waterway there to to take a picture. I think that was when I could get a little breath. But uh, Gloria is amazing. But I'm lucky also. The people, the women that have come along my path and the men as well and I think that's the last part I can say too is that I also understand that without our male allies and without the male, the male component we're calling them non-women now <laughs> <laughs> that came up at the last time I was talking about our male allies I think, you mean non-women I go okay but whatever we want to call them but uh, anyway we're all in this together and you know what I'm so happy you're in this with me you know, because, you, you know, we, what you're doing and what we're all doing is just one big sisterhood. And I I hope that we get to meet personally maybe the next time in New York. That I we could love be, that. Maybe we could get glorified together. How about that? Yes, let's get glorified. And I know Gloria <laughs> always wants to power walk or have some tea. So we maybe do both. Well, let's, let's, <laughs> power, let's power walk with, uh, with Gloria. That's for sure. But I'll look okay. forward to that. Well, Jamia, how can we find out more about you, more about what you're doing? what's coming up and we really didn't even talk about the women together program with Gloria Steinem so tell us more about you so people can go and check out your website and the, the feminist press and all the things that you're doing which it, we would have to be speaking for hours and hours to really describe everything that you're doing which is absolutely amazing well thank you so much for having me and for all the work you're doing and lifting up amazing women and lifting up our voices in one of the most important times in history for us to be doing this work and you can learn more about me and the wonderful organizations that I'm a part of at jamiawilson.org. And I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Instagram is Jamia A. Wilson and Twitter is Jamia W. And if you would love to learn more about the Feminist Press, we're at feministpress.org and you can buy books directly from us, which also helps us continue to publish the voices that would otherwise not be heard or amplified the way they deserve to be. Yeah, I re- I really like on your website too. Like if anybody wants to know what your skills are, your languages are, your affiliations, and your employment, you can see it. Boom, 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 boom. Unbelievable. <laughs> Thank <laughs> well, you. Why not? You know, that's the other thing. Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. So no, you're 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 doing some amazing things in the world, and and we we need more of us doing those things and and moving the dial up. You know, keep the dial going up. But uh, I know you're changing the world for good, and I will be right alongside you doing the same thing. But congratulations you. on your accomplishments, and uh, know that your mama's looking down on you and going, Thank "I'm sure you. proud of you. I'm sure proud of you." Because I, I, I would be too. I've got three daughters, and I, I want to leave a legacy for them more than anything. I want them you to. You are. <laughs> take the, they're going to take the baton and go with it for sure. But. Uh, I, I've truly enjoyed speaking with you today. I know this is not the last time, so like, let's get glorified, okay? Thank you so much. I can't wait to get glorified and sending you <laughs> lots of warmth for the rest of your day. All right. Thank you so much. You thank too. Thank you so much. Take uh-huh. care.